morning we would like to bring this whole study on the theme on the glory of God just bring it to some sort of a conclusion and uh, we'll move on to another topic but come back to it later we've been talking about the glory of God and the fact that God wants his glory to be seen through his people that's the amazing part where God says my glory shall be seen upon you that God wants his glory to be seen through each one of his people and uh, just to review we we talked about how God created man in his own image and likeness the purpose of creating man in his own image and likeness was to give him the capacity to manifest God's glory 1 Corinthians 11 amen so we are created in the image of God and that gives us the capacity to manifest the glory of God and and that was God's design intent that the earth be filled with the glory of God that was his intent the whole earth filled with the glory now when we talk about glory we are talking about in this context that glory is really a manifestation of who God is and what he does what is glory it's a manifestation of who god is and what he does so each one of us have been designed to manifest who god is and what he does is god a creative god yes so when you manifest creativity and excellence in your place of work you're manifesting the glory of god and each of us have been designed to manifest god's glory does god have answers to problems so when you bring solutions to problems in your school your college or place of work you're manifesting god's glory because he is the one who has the answer it's being manifested through you is god the healer of sickness and disease yes so when god heals through you you're manifesting his glory because he is the healer and god says my glory will be seen through my people be seen upon you amen as believers we have been given that same sonship glory that jesus walked in on the earth remember john 1:14 the bible says that the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth so when he walked the earth jesus walked in a sonship glory he did not have the glory of deity which he had left in heaven john 17:5 jesus prayed to the father he said father glorify thou me with the glory which i had with thee before the world was so on the earth jesus did not have a glory which he did have in heaven with the father on the earth he walked in what we call as a sonship glory full of grace and truth and that sonship glory was manifested through grace truth and miracles Now the interesting thing is this Jesus said John 17:21 22 the glory you have given me I have given them so that sonship glory in which Jesus walked he gave to his people so each one of us as believers have within us the sonship glory the capacity to manifest who God is and what he does the same way that Jesus did 
When Jesus ascended back into heaven, he once again received the glory of deity. He is God exalted at the right hand of the Father. Are you with me so far? So now we want to expand that. I'm just, I just want to add this, this thought, this insight to this whole aspect of manifesting the glory of God. And I want to share some, uh, share some additional thoughts on that. Let's go to Numbers, the 14th chapter, please. Numbers chapter 14. This morning we want to talk about a more glorious ministry. So the sermon title is more, a more glorious ministry. Numbers chapter 14, we're going to look at verses 1 through 21. Numbers 14, 1 through 21. I just want to summarize what's happening. The 14th chapter of Numbers is an incident in the life of God's people Israel as they were journeying from Egypt into the land of Canaan. They were pretty close, in close proximity to the promised land. They just had to cross over and they'll get into the land that God had promised them. And Moses sends out 12 spies. He says, I want you to go into the land, survey the land, see what kind of land it is, what kind of people live in it, come back with your reports. So 12 spies go in there. You know the story. They come back after 40 days. 10 of them say, the land is really good, just the way God said it, except there's one problem, there are giants in the land. Can't go. Joshua and Caleb come back and say, yeah, there are giants in the land, but God is with us and they are bread for us. If they were Indians, they would have said they are chapati for us. <laughs> Whatever. They are bread for us. We'll just go and take it. We'll eat it. We can. Let's go. But the people believed the report of the ten spies. They were so upset. They were upset with Moses. Moses, why did you bring us out here to die? We could have you know, just lived on in Egypt. Why did you do this to us? And then they were ready to stone Joshua and Caleb. So what are you guys telling us? Let's go. They're ready to stone. So then God intervenes. God's glory comes on. And God says, you know, Moses, here's what I want to do. Let me get rid of this entire nation of people. And I will make of you, Moses, a greater and a mightier nation. I get rid of them, I'll start over with you, Moses. But Moses intercedes, he pleads for the people. He says, God, please forgive them. And then this is God's response after Moses' prayers. In the verse 20 of Numbers. Numbers chapter 14, verse 20 and 21. Then the Lord said, I have pardoned according to your word. Moses I'm forgiving them. You want me to forgive, I'll forgive. I have pardoned according to your word. Verse 21. But truly, as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. So Moses, I'm forgiving. But there's one thing I want you to know. Truly, whether it's them or whether it's you, one thing I'm going to do, I'm going to fill the earth with my glory. So God is saying, whether I'm going to use, whether I'm going to forgive and use these people, Israel, or whether I'm going to get rid of them, and I'm going to start over with you, Moses, one thing I will do, I will fill the earth with my glory. 
So here's, this is the heart, this is the desire of God's heart, to fill the earth with his. And here's the second fact. The reason God went about choosing a people and a nation was so that through them, he could fill the earth with his. So why did God go after a nation? Why did God want a people? So that through them, he could fill the earth with his. And God said, I'll do it. As long as truly as I live, this is going to happen. When the people rebel, they want to go back to Egypt, they want to stay with their onions and garlics, doesn't matter. As truly as I live, I'll make sure this happens. I will fill the earth with my glory. Habakkuk, the prophet, Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 14, he prophesies, the earth will be filled. Now he was living in a very difficult time. The nation of Israel, people are doing wrong, wrong things. And Habakkuk still prophesies. In the middle of chapter 2, you read it. Habakkuk 2.14. Habakkuk says, but the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. So it will happen. So why did God go after raise, choosing a nation and a people? Because he wanted to fill the earth with this. Through whom? Through the people. That's why he went after a people. Now this is where the church comes in. Amen? The Old Testament, we already said this. The Old Testament Jerusalem. The Old Testament Israel. The, New Tes the Old Testament Zion applies to the New Testament so why has God raised up a people called the church? Same purpose. As truly as I live. The earth will be filled with my glory, says the Lord. So through the church, God wants to fill the earth with his glory. A manifestation of who he is and what he does. Is going to take place through the church. That's why we're here. Amen? So, you're not in part of the church just so that you can go to heaven. You've got something to do on earth. In fact, the earth is your main assignment. Not heaven. Why did God choose the church? So that the earth will be filled with his some people say I'm waiting to go to heaven God wants you here on please stay <laughs> he wants you here the earth will be filled with my see even if you get to heaven he's going to bring you back <laughs> it's true even if you get to heaven, bringing you back here. It says, your assignment is not heaven. It's earth. To see the earth filled with his glory. So don't be in such a hurry to get to heaven. Let's fill the earth with his glory.
Now we go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, which is where we want to stay for the rest of this time. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul is talking about New Testament ministry and he is contrasting it with Old Testament ministry. Ministry under the Old Testament and ministry under the New Testament. He's drawing a comparison. And uh, Paul picks up or picks out the highest point of Old Testament ministry, which is Moses. Now, I know Jesus said John the Baptist is the greatest of the Old Testament prophets. We know that. But the one person in the Old Testament who had the greatest manifestation of the glory of God was Moses. The Bible says there was no other prophet like Moses to whom God spoke face to face and through whom God did such great signs and wonders. Some Paul picks the high point of Old Testament ministry in terms of the manifestation of the glory of God. He picks Moses. And then this is what he tells us. He teaches us about what New Testament ministry is supposed to be. That's in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Let's read it. We'll read from verse 1. Do we begin again to commend ourselves or do we need as some others epistles of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you? He's saying, do we need recommendation letters? You are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Clearly, you are an epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink but by the Spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, that is, of the hearts. And we have such trust through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. Who also made us, made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant. So he's now talking about ministers of the new covenant. Not of letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. So ministry under the old covenant was a ministry of letter. Doesn't mean they all had letter writing ministry. That's not what it means. It means it was a ministry of the law. Whereas ministry of the new covenant is a ministry of the Spirit. It is the Spirit of God flowing through us. The ministry of the law produced death. Can you imagine you come to church and they kill you? The ministry of the Spirit produced life. Built people up. Continue. Verse 7. But if the ministry of death Written and engraved on stones was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which was which glory was passing away. How will the ministry of the Spirit not be more 
glorious. So what's he saying? He's saying, look at the old covenant. It was a ministry of law. It was a ministry that produced, resulted in death. It was a ministry that was passing away. It was only temporal. The law has been done away with. But yet, under the law, it was so glorious. They had such a manifestation of the glory of God, people couldn't even look at the preacher. <laughs> Please look at me. <laughs> but he says, but, how much more the ministry under the new covenant, which is the ministry of the spirit, which is the ministry of life. Shouldn't it be much more? glorious? This new covenant ministry is a more glorious ministry. Continue. Verse 9. For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in. The Old Testament ministry was ministry of condemnation. Some people are still doing Old Testament ministry. Condemning, condemning, condemning. See, relax. Condemnation is not New Testament ministry. New Testament ministry is the ministry of righteousness. It tells people they are the righteousness of God. They are in right standing with God. They are holy and accepted in the eyes of God. That is New Testament ministry. Amen? So when you listen to a preacher, you can decide, is he Old Testament minister or New Testament? Is it a ministry that condemns you? Or is it a ministry that awakens you to the righteousness of God? People always rise to the level of their approval. Amen? Simple. You tell a child, you're good, they'll be good. Tell a child, you're bad, they'll get worse. People always rise to the level of that's why God says, you are my righteousness. And then he says, walk in it. Live righteous. So the ministry of the New Testament is a ministry of righteousness. And what does Paul say? He says, Shouldn't this, isn't this ministry much more glorious? It's more glorious. Let's continue. Therefore, verse 12, therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech. Unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away. But their minds were blinded, for until this day the same veil remains, unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament, because the veil is taken away in Christ. Even to this day when Moses is read, a whale lies on their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the whale is taken away. Now the Lord is a spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But be all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into that same image from glory to glory, just as by the spirit of the Lord. So contrasting to Contrasting ministries under two covenants. 
in the old covenant god chose certain individuals through whom he manifested his glory in the new covenant we all with an unveiled face are beholding the glory of the lord and we are all being changed into that same image for what purpose so that we all manifest his glory here on So in New Testament ministry, every believer is a minister. Amen? Amen. Tell your neighbor, you are a minister. Every believer is a minister of God. Through every believer, the glory of God is to be revealed. Why? Because every believer is looking at the glory of the Lord and being changed into that same image. And the old covenant, some individuals, Moses and Joshua and Elijah and Elijah, some people could see the glory of God manifest. The old covenant ministry was a ministry of the law. It produced death. It brought condemnation. It left people in a state where they didn't understand what was happening. They couldn't understand. It was like something covering their eyes. A whale was still on their eyes. We're still in bondage. New covenant ministry is a ministry of the spirit. It is a ministry that brings life. It's a ministry that awakens people to righteousness. It's a ministry that brings liberty. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. It's a ministry where all of us are being changed into his glory and are able to manifest his glory. But here's the one point I want us to sit upon. He repeatedly says that new covenant ministry is much more glorious than Old Testament ministry. Much more glorious than the ministry that Moses had. Amen? That means all of us, every believer, is to manifest ministry that is more glorious than that of Moses. I mean, imagine what Moses did with the rods. We have television, media, this, that. Moses had nothing, just a rod. He swung his rod and a sea parted. Things happened. And Paul says, New believers and New Testament believers, we have a ministry that is more glorious, meaning the glory we must manifest of God, who God is, and what He does, what we reveal through our lives. It should be more glorious than what Moses revealed about God. Amen. Now you say, Pastor, I mean, why, why all this? More glorious ministry. I'm happy the way things are. That's the problem. 
Amen. If you go back in time, in the history of the church, to about 1400 AD, just prior to that, the church was in what we know as the Dark Ages for a thousand years. The average man didn't read the Bible, was in Latin. No access to it. The priests, the clergy were all civil servants appointed by the governments. And uh, many of them didn't read the word themselves. The church was, was essentially a place where there was liturgy, ritual, Sin was permitted as long as you paid cash for it. You could buy something called indulgences. Which was basically a license to sin. And the church gave you the license. Holy sin. something I don't know what it was. People prayed for the dead hoping that they'd make it to heaven. They called it purgatory. So that was the state of the church. Thousand in that period of time. Imagine if people said. The way it is. Is always the way it will be. We would probably be in that same state. But I'm glad somebody said, there is more. I'm glad Martin Luther stood up and said, look, this is not where we are supposed to be. The Bible says, the just shall live by faith. And that began the process of reformation. And I'm glad it didn't stop there. I'm glad the Anabaptists came along and said, there is more. There's something called water baptism. Church began to baptize people. I didn't stop there. I'm glad the Methodists came. John and Charles Wesley came and said, there is more. There's something called sanctification or holy living. And I'm glad it didn't stop there. I'm glad somebody came and said, look, there is more. There's something called healing. God heals. People began to believe God for healing. And I'm glad it didn't stop there. Somebody else came along and said, there is more. There's something called the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And praying in tongues. And I'm glad it didn't stop there. Somebody came along and said, there is something called the word. We need to study it. And every promise of the word is ours. And we believe it, have faith, move mountain, confess the word. Glad the church came into that. I'm glad it didn't stop there. Somebody came along and said, 
God is restoring the fivefold ministry. There are apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists in the body of Christ. Let's recognize them. I'm glad it didn't stop there. Somebody else said, look, the purpose of these fivefold gifts is for the equipping of the saints so that the saints will do the work of the ministry. And people started saying, every believer is a minister. Amen. The church has come a long way because people refused to accept the status quo and said, there is more. And this morning, I want to challenge you and me by saying, what we have today is not where we are supposed to be. There is more. We are supposed to be having a more glorious ministry than Father Moses. Amen? Amen? And if you want to come, come along. If you want to stay, goodbye. <laughs> We're going! It's a more glorious ministry and that's where the church is supposed to be. That's where every believer is supposed to be. A more glorious ministry. Greater glory than what Moses had under the old covenant. Where we are is not where we are supposed to be. So don't accept this as the final destination. The bus is still moving. God is still driving. Stay on it. Amen? A more glorious ministry where the glory of God revealed through every believer will be greater than what Moses experienced under the old covenants. So we must be people saying, God, take us into it. We know we are not where we are supposed to be. The word says, we're supposed to have a more glorious ministry. God, I shake 10 rods and nothing happens. God, please save me. Help me, God. Do something. Take me into this more glorious ministry. The Bible says, we're supposed to be having. Take me. Show me how to journey into it because... None of the present people living here have actually gone there. So show us how to journey into it. Some are a little ahead of us and so we can learn from them. But we are all supposed to go. Amen. So what does Paul say in verse 12? He says, Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of says, look, since we are so convinced, we know that we have a more glorious ministry. We have a ministry of the Holy Spirit flowing through us um, that enables us to write into the very hearts of people. We have a ministry of life. We have a ministry that brings righteousness. We have a ministry that sets people free. Since we have such a ministry, we're bold about it. Amen. 
So let's get bold about this ministry that God has given us. Let's be bold about it that, 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 that when we minister, people are set free. Life comes through. Righteousness is imparted. People are uh, experience liberty. It's the ministry of the Spirit coming through us. Let's be bold. Let's expect more glory than Moses. Amen. And Paul continues in chapter 4 and verse 4. And he tells us. That the God of this world has blinded the minds of those who do not believe. Lest the light of the glory of Christ. Who is the image of God. Lest the gospel which is the. There's the light of the gospel, which is the glory of Christ, which is the image of God, should shine to them. The gospel, the gospel, the good news, releases the glory of Christ, the glory of God, the good news. So be bold about the good news, because that Reveals the glory of God. Be bold about it. When you share the good news, you're being a New Testament minister. The Spirit of God is working through you. It will, the Spirit of God working through you will bring life, will bring righteousness, will bring liberty into those whom you serve. So be bold about it. Amen. What's it going to take for us? manifest this more glorious ministry I don't know we're all journeying into it we're trying to discover but when you look back at church history and look at those those moments in the history of the church in the book of Acts and other points of time in the history of the church and say where, where people experienced manifestations of the glory of God. When you look back and say, what caused it? Here are some common denominators that we see. God's glory is manifested among a people who are hungry. Amen? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst, for they will be filled. They'll be filled. So we need to get hungry. Hungry for more. Never become satisfied with what you have. Not give God two hours on a Sunday. 15 minutes every day, my daily devotion. Satisfied. Ah, oh, nice. Dangerous place. Dangerous place. There's got to be a holy hunger that stirs you up. That says, God, I'm not satisfied. A holy discontent. A holy dissatisfaction inside you. God, uh, I'm thankful for where we are, but I am not satisfied. Because there is more and I want more. And God sees a hungry people. He comes. He pours water on him who is thirsty. Said, I will put floods on dry ground. 
What else do we notice? We notice that God, the glory of God is manifested among a people pursuing purity. Purity. If we are praying for greater glory and a much glorious ministry, we must also be ready for greater levels of purity. Amen? You know, when there is greater glory, there is lesser tolerance for sin. When there is greater glory, there is greater grace, but there is lesser tolerance for sin. Ananias and Sapphira were just regular church members. Came to church one day. Small lie. Just a little lie. They dropped dead. In church. For lying. Today preachers lie, nothing happens. <laughs> Nobody drops dead. What's the difference? The glory of God. Where there is greater glory, there is greater grace. But also lesser tolerance for sin. The church at that time was in such glory. That even shadow would heal people. People came flocking to services to be healed. In an atmosphere of great glory. God expects greater purity. What else do we see? We see people that people who walk in authority in the seasons of glory where the manifestation of God's glory was evident or much more greater than before. People walked in Authority. They knew their authority in Jesus and they walked in it. Think about Peter and John, Acts chapter 3. They're going to the temple to pray. There's a lame man there. And Peter says something that, will, that is so offensive. This lame man's begging, he's lame. What does Peter say? He didn't say call the prayer tower. He didn't say look to Jesus. What did Peter say? Look on us. Look at me. That sounds very sacrilegious. Why did Peter say look on us? Look me. Look here. Because he knew who he was in God. He knew the authority he carried. So we make excuses. You know, call the prayer Or call pastor. <laughs> Listen. We need to be a people. Not arrogant. Not self-confident. But we must know our authority in Jesus. Peter said, <clears throat> Silver and gold I don't have. 
but such as I have, I've got something. I give you. The problem with the church today is either we don't know what we have, or we know what we have, but we don't use it. If we want to be a people who will see this much more glorious ministry, we must step out on who we are in God. We must step out on the authority that God has given us. It doesn't matter who you are in the church. It doesn't matter how small or insignificant you may be. You are a minister of God. You have the glory of God in you. Tell people, look at me. I may not have much on the earth. Silver and gold I may not have. But I got something that will meet your needs. Such as I have, I give you. What else do we see? We see a people who walked in the anointing of the Spirit. Their dependence was on the Holy Spirit. They let the Spirit of God move through them, work through them. They were not apologetic of the work of the Spirit. I'm sorry. You know, the Holy Spirit sometimes inside me just ruffles his feathers a little bit. No. They did not apologize for the ministry of the Spirit through their lives. Amen. The Holy Spirit is gentle, but He needs no apology. So don't apologize for the work of the Spirit. If the Holy Spirit gives you a word of knowledge, let it flow. The Holy Spirit gives you a word of prophecy, let it flow. The Holy Spirit promises you to do something for somebody, let it go. Don't apologize for the anointing of the Spirit flowing through your life. This is the ministry of the Spirit. And lastly, we see that these were the people who walked in unity. One thing in the book of Acts, you see often, they were of one accord. One accord. One accord. And there was great manifestations of glory. We need to be a people of one accord. Saying, we want to press in to the more that God has for us. Amen? Not satisfied with the way things are. There is more. We want to journey into it. If you are of one accord, ready to press in, God will meet us. Amen? There is a more glorious ministry. Let's journey into it. Let's stand to our feet, please. I want you to take a moment just to pray, then we will dismiss. I want you to pray and say, God, if the Bible tells me that this New Testament ministry is a more glorious ministry, I want it. Please help me journey into it. I know I'm not there, but I want to journey into it. And would you pray for the church as well, saying, God, as a church, we must journey into what is ahead of us, into what you want for us. Please take us into it. Let's all pray. Let's all pray and say, God, take us into this. Father, we've heard your word this morning. We're thankful for those who in times past had a holy dissatisfaction in their lives. So that they could disrupt the church and take it to where it's to the next level, God. For, Father, we pray 
that that same holy discontent will group our hearts will stir us up oh god saying that there is a more glorious ministry and we want to go into it but every believer ought to have a ministry that's more glorious than moses take us into it god so that the earth will truly be filled with the glory of the lord and you will have a nation of people who will manifest your glory on this earth Holy Spirit, come, help us journey into it. Give us that hunger, give us that purity, give us that boldness to walk in authority, give us that willingness to yield to the anointing of the Spirit, and God help us to be a people of unity to make this journey into this more glorious ministry. Help us, O oh God. Let your glory be seen. Upon each of us we pray. In Jesus name. Amen. Before we close. There's anyone here. You've never given your heart to Jesus Christ. It's great that you've come to church. And spent time with us. But the greatest thing that can happen to you. Is to let Jesus come into your heart. Into your life. Forgive your sins. And make you a brand new person. That's the greatest thing that can happen to you. For Jesus to change you from inside out. And all permanent change comes from within. It begins on the inside. It comes from inside you. And only Jesus Christ can change you inside out. Religion tries to change you outside in. Jesus changes you inside out. Is anyone here this morning? You say, I want to be changed inside out. I want Jesus to come into my life, forgive my sins, set me free, and change me. Is anyone here, and, and I want to pray with you before we dismiss. Could you just raise your hand? Anyone here this morning? Say, I want to be changed inside out. Anyone? Just lift your hand up, please. All right, if you lifted your hand up, I want you to pray with me. Just pray this with, pray with me. Saying, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Forgive my sins. Make me a new person. Change me inside out. Help me to follow you the rest of my life. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Arise and shine for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Though darkness covers the earth and deep darkness the people, yet the Lord shall arise upon you and his glory will be seen upon you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day, great afternoon, great week. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.